No, and then I'll just do a little introduction and then we'll just sort of have a half hour chat. Cool. Yeah, that yeah. sounds fantastic. Hello and welcome to another episode of the NK Active podcast. Really excited about the guest we have on this month. We have Claire Maxted, who you may have heard of before because she co-founded the Trail Running magazine and now founded World Ginger Running. And she's someone who's basically literally been there, done it, worn a t-shirt when it comes to trail running. And she, I think it was in 2021, released a book called um, The Ultimate Trail Running Handbook, which is actually a really nice guide about how to get into trail running. And actually, it's a really useful tips about running in general. So, Claire, many thanks for coming on board and taking time out of your schedule to come chat to us. So tell listeners about just a bit of background about how you've got to, to where you are today. Well, I'm not a natural runner. <laughs> uh, if a 15-year-old me could have seen this book and knew that I was the editor of a trail running magazine and that I would regularly run, you know, like marathons and more, do the Bob Graham round, then I think I would have just fallen over in a faint because I hated running when I was at school. Um, at school, running was it was presented as something um, uh, competitive. Uh, there was like house cross country. There was the bleep test. There was house athletics as well. And because I was like, you know, I wasn't like the fittest kid around, but I wasn't like super unfit or anything. I was quite active and I was quite like a nice kid at school. The teachers used to just force me to do everything. So I think one year I was doing the 1500 meters the 800 meters the 200 meters and the like the the long jump or something and I just I just hated it because being ginger I was really pale skinned I'd go bright red at the drop of a hat and the boys would like point at me and go oh Claire Max has gone red already like that and when you're like 13 15 17 that's not the kind of attention you want from boys and I just I just hated that feeling. House cross country in the winter was, um, it was really cold. So you'd breathe in and you're, you'd get that blood taste in your mouth. And everything about running seemed to be, go, seemed to be about pushing yourself as hard as you could, going as fast as you can. Um, and granted, it probably wasn't long distances compared to what I do now, but just everything about running just wasn't fun. It was like really horrible. And teachers used to be there on the sideline shouting and people would be like, knees up, knees up. And can't you pick your feet up a bit faster? And it was all about criticism and, and beating yourself up and like, oh, like being told off. And it just wasn't good. And I, I really hope that PE at school has changed these days because I don't think that it's necessarily a good introduction to sport and exercise and well-being for, for a lot of people that aren't naturally sporty. So I think I'm very lucky that I found running in another way as an adult. I basically got a bit fat at uni um, because I drank too much beer and enjoyed myself too much. So the quickest way to burn the most calories is running. So I started running again at, at uni. I was always a really keen hiker, um, an outdoors person. We used to go on mountain biking holidays when I was younger with my mum and dad. Um, I used to swim a lot as well. I was like quite good at swimming um, I'm probably in all the sports uh, probably best at swimming but I do at the least <laughs> but I um yeah I wanted to do a triathlon so and I wanted to do adventure racing as well so I had to get my running up to speed so I started running again at uni and it was just first of all just like 20 minutes and at, at the start I thought it was like oh my god I've got to go really fast I thought running was about this run 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 and then I discovered jogging and what a wonderful thing jogging is um <laughs> you can cover a lot of miles and be very happy just jogging um so so yeah, I think I'd probably say I'm a jogger rather than a runner. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. That's how I got into running again, because I wanted to work off my beer gut. <laughs> and actually running is a really, really nice way of doing things um, after after a nice out as well. Yeah. Um, yeah you, you can clear all the toxins from the body, sweat it all out. It <laughs> I, I've actually had some of my quickest runs the morning after the night before. Um, yeah. I think there's something to be said in there. So it's almost like it sounds like, yeah, you didn't intend to get into the sort of trail running. You sort of just stumbled across it and then 
no, and then got yeah. hooked. And that story I hear so often in clinic That's with really patients. Sad, isn't it? Um, and it's, it's really, you do touch on a very, very good point with regards to sports and children. And it is, it, it, there can be this very competitive nature to it. But one of the beauties about running, and particularly trail running, is actually when you get down to it, no one really cares if you finish first or finish last. You're yeah. there just doing it, having fun with a group of like-minded people. And sometimes, yes, you're racing against yourself. Sometimes you want to be competitive, which is all good. But it's also just as acceptable just to go and do stuff at your own pace. Yeah. And if you take part run, for example, this fantastic thing of 5K every Saturday morning, mm. you've got some people that walk it, some people that run it. But the thing you notice, it doesn't matter if you're first or last, everyone is still cheering each other on. Mm. And it's just that community spirit of it. Yeah. And, and even and we, more, the, the, the last runners through, because everybody's finished by then. So there's loads more people stay and cheer them on. And it's even more kudos if you're, you know, you've put way more effort in if you're a larger person or if you're a less fit person or if you're an older person, um, all of those things, that it's even more kudos to actually finish a park run. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think also now trail running is getting more, more and more popular because I think people are starting to realise that trail running isn't nipping off to the Alps every weekend to run up and down a mountain. It actually yeah. could be done in the countryside. Yeah, in the yeah. UK and like unfortunately, I've got the South Downs way on my doorstep and and whatnot. So there is actually loads of places. You've got the Peak District, the Lake District, you've got in the West Country, over in North. You've got loads of places where you can just get up and just go for a run in the woods and just do some do some trail running. And a lot of my patients say they enjoy it because they literally just don't have to think. They don't have to worry about about things. They just go for a run. And it's yeah. a case of they're not really worried how long it takes them. And actually, they find it more exciting because there's always things to look at. So they don't sometimes get that boredom factor that you can get if you're just crunching miles on the road, mile after mile after mile. Yeah. With trail running, there's always something something different. So We'll have a quick chat about events that you have done. Because I think you've just come back from UTMB. Yeah, I didn't actually run the UTMB. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit out of my uh, current fitness level for sure. Uh, but yeah, I have just come back from UTMB. Um, yes, and, I am uh, coming back into running after having a baby. So um, yeah, taking it nice and gently, which is not usual for me. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's um, once you got the bug, it's difficult to be take that slow and steady. Running, we have a we have a saying in clinic that a runner who is not running is just a grumpy person. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it, it's, we do everything we can to keep runners running, even throughout injuries, if if it's safe to do so. Because a runner who doesn't run, they're just they're just a grumpy person to deal with in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, it's not a good thing if you can't run. <laughs> so, for the listener, is the um, what is the UTMB? It's the Ultra Tour de Mont Blanc. It's just over 100 miles around Mont Blanc. So it starts in Chamonix, which is in France, and it goes through um, Italy and Switzerland as well. And it goes through um, up and over various mountain passes. I think there's like eight or 10 significant uphills. So there's a a total of 10,000 metres of ascent throughout the whole race. Um, And they get 46 hours to do the race. It starts on the Friday evening in Chamonix in the main square. Um, There's like 200 I think 2,500 people ran the all the various races of the UTMB there's lots of different ones this year um I think about kind of 2,000 people run the actual UTMB and it takes a good three and a half minutes for them all to filter through and it's if you can imagine the London Marathon if you've ever been to watch the London Marathon and the hype that's there at the start line and at the finish and there's like people like 10 people deep um it's like that at in Chamonix on race day and in all the little villages that it goes through um everybody comes out to watch the event even like non-runners support the event because it's just so exciting the atmosphere is amazing um and they start at about six o'clock on the friday night and they run through the night and the elites will come in at like one or two o'clock in the afternoon um having run for 20 hours killian jornet just broke the 20 hour record he did like 19 hours 50 this year which is amazing and 
then the, the male runners come in soon after that the women will come in in the early afternoon so like four o'clock five o'clock um doing the racing like more like 24 hours and um yeah and then everybody else comes in through the second night and then through to the sunday morning and afternoon and by four o'clock on sunday you've got the last person coming through and the the atmosphere for the last person is incredible because that that person has blood sweat and tears they've they're going to crawl over that finish line they're going to make it by hook or by crook so it's really exciting when the last person comes through and because it's four o'clock in the afternoon people have had a beer and everyone's like hey and there's just huge cheerings there's this song that plays on repeat it's called the um oh what's it called it's like the evangelist it's a the con con conquest of paradise and it just plays over and over again it's very very stirring and if you if you watch enough people finish at the utmb um you'll probably want to enter the utmb so there, there's a warning there <laughs> it's an amazing race to go and watch but you might find yourself signing up for something that's quite big <laughs> well, even not even what just listening to you explain that i'm like damn I, I got to do this at some point you gotta go and watch it at some point and there are other races as well so there's the m mt there's the the mds no that's marathon Sabre. mcc that's yeah. it mcc ccc um occ as well so there's the ccc is half the utmb yeah. the uh the OCC is like a quarter, I think. And then the MCC, I think it's for the media. So that's like a 50K event or something like that. Um, and then there's the TDS as well, which is even harder than the Ultra, Ultra Tour de Mont Blanc, apparently. Um, it's a bit rougher terrain, even though it's a little bit shorter and a little bit less ascent. It's like brutal, apparently. And then there's this ridiculous thing called the 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 PTS, Le Petit Trot. So that's PST, PLT. Le Petit Trot, something like that. It's called the PLT or something. And it takes them six days and they've got to take a helmet with them because they're going through such areas where rocks can fall on them. And you do it in teams, in pairs. So you yep. get like these father-son, mother-daughter, husband and wife teams or like friends. And they, they're they coming in as well as the UTMB finishers are coming in. And you can tell that they're PTS, PTS or something like that because um, they they just look completely like uh like mount feral mountain people there m- caked in mud sweat yeah. uh probably something ripped shoot half a shoe stuck on with gaffer tape they've got poles they've got helmets they've got like this haggard look to their face because they've probably slept for two hours a night for six days and it's just an incredible achievement and you just you just leave thinking oh could i do that and then you think about the actual logistics of a hundred miles through the mountains with ten thousand meters of ascent over like not just like over like a nice runnable terrain <laughs> it's all rocky you can go over easily on your ankle on your knee it's really treacherous terrain like I think actually somebody actually really sadly died on one of the races this year which is an absolute tragedy but that's the that's the type of terrain we're talking about those are the mountain conditions we're talking about here not something to be taken lightly but um it's absolutely an incredible achievement if you can do it. Um, I don't think I could do it because I'm not sure that I could put in that level of training. Um, I'm yeah. not sure that I want to. Um, I don't I don't know if I want to just run through the night and not really see any of the views. So how I would do the UTMB is like over six days, enjoying myself, doing like 20 miles a day. And even that would be an incredible achievement. Oh, yeah. It, it's, you just sort of, I just want to reflect on one bit. 10,000 metres of ascent. Yeah. That that is that is just think about that. That's the equivalent of going for if you just go for a normal ten k run, that's the distance you're going to go uphill throughout that event. <laughs> just, yeah, it's, it's more than Everest from sea level, isn't it? Yeah, so it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, that's just insane and... yeah and a lot of it is hiking as well I spoke to the women's winner Katie Scheid from the USA I managed to interview her after the race and she said I said what's your top tip for like nor- normal people more like me who might want to do the UTMB one day and she said there's a lot of hiking go hiking and Jasmine Paris who's another amazing ultra runner she won spine race outright one year and I think she still holds the record on that race she said she goes <coughs> hiking at altitude for two weeks at a time with a huge backpack on camping with her husband um less so now she's got kids presumably but that's how she used to do a lot of her training up higher altitude hiking and yeah. it just and that's brilliant to know because if you're a person that gets regularly injured like some of the people who might be watching to 
today from that uh, associated with your podcast um hiking is like like who hears of hikers talking about injuries unless they're super old and they've got knee replacements and stuff you hardly ever hear hikers talking about injuries but you always always hear about runners talking about injuries so that to think that hiking can be part of your training with a nice big backpack on with walking poles just nice and slow taking easy looking at the views that's isn't that brilliant it, it is that. and funny i had i had a patient in yesterday and they were doing an event i hadn't heard of which is race to the wreck yeah. um race that wreck. is I've heard of race to the stones yeah race i heard of race to the stones is it part race... of the threshold event series or is it something no, different this is in the Namibia uh, desert i believe it is oh, right. um so there is it a there are, yeah there it there's it looks like it's just a shipwreck in the middle of the desert that they Say that they what? run yeah, I know. And it's over, I think she said wow. around a couple of hundred kilometers. <gasps> okay. Um, and you sat there going to be getting race there. Let's have a look. And I'm Googling it now. <laughs> and it was, it was a part of her training. We were speaking about the injury she come in with and we need to basically just help get her ready to race because she's going in November. So she's only got eight weeks until race day. Oh, and it's a rat race event. I've just found it. Yeah yeah wow yeah and it's it, it looks it and again it's just but she spent a lot of time over the summer hiking with yeah. just in a camper van hiking in the lake district hiking all around those areas yeah. because a lot of the event it, it is a walk run event yeah um yeah and is and then it's even like you say like questions around about the pack you have so actually are you training with the equivalent weight that you're going to be carrying on on race day and everything on those lines and those are really really important things that yeah you need to consider I think when you're training for these events yeah and hiking is such an important one because I did well I didn't do actually I DNF'd the Cape Breath Ultra um in 2018 and there was a lot of hiking involved and my training had just involved running like 20 mile runs like I did a hundred mile training week doing 20 miles a day for five days and I thought yeah brilliant I'm sorted I can do this race but actually when I got there there was a shed load of hiking involved and I hadn't really trained for hiking and it sounds silly because obviously if you can run you think you can hike but it's two quite different disciplines actually um and I yeah I've taken that into account and um, I might do something big like at the end of this next summer and I haven't quite decided yet I haven't spoken to family and like sorted it yet but um yeah hiking should be a big part of all ultra runners training if you're going to do one of these like big events like that um but it it does take a lot of time to go hiking (laughs) like um yeah it takes a big chunk of time doesn't it to do hiking training um yeah, yeah, and any any ultra it. event, yeah, any ultra event takes huge amounts of commitment and and training. Yeah. And it is, I remember I was speaking to a patient who um does full distance Ironman event, and it's a the training for that is effectively a full time job. If you want yeah. to train properly, it's a yeah. full time job to be able to hours a week, isn't it, to be good at that? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Um, yeah. so obviously UTMB is sort of one end of the scale. Oh, but then yeah, there's going to be people. <laughs> they're going to be people watching and and listening. What about any tips and advice for people at the other end of the scale who are just sort of starting? Because yes, it sounds fabulous doing UTMB, but I should imagine if you've never done any trail running, it could be a little daunting oh, to think about. A little bit daunting, yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't suggest starting at the UTMB. I'd suggest going to watch the UTMB and hiking in the mountains. That's absolutely brilliant. And the great thing about going to Chamonix is you can get a cable car up to the top yeah. and then just run about in the beautiful scenery and then get a cable car down again. So that's brilliant. Um, so it's good. It's a really great place for all levels. Don't think like you have to do the UTMB. But I started with this um, set of events called the Lakeland Trails, which still run and there's, there's loads more events now. Um, but they were, it was about nine to nine to 11 miles I used to do um and they've got two categories well they did at the time that I was in about 10 years ago they had like the walkers category which starts off an hour earlier and then they have the runners category which goes and then you overtake all the walkers which is quite nice because you can say hello to everybody and they all cheer you on um and if you're a slow runner you also might want to go in the walkers category just because it it might just suit you to to be within that that sort of time
timeframe. Um, so they're really brilliant events. They're in the Lake District, hence why they're called the Lakeland Trails. Um, and they were set up by um, a sort of an acquaintance friend of mine, Graham Patton, who was a really good European mountain runner. Um, and he saw the atmosphere and the sort of pizzazz of the European races. And he wanted to bring that back to the UK. Um, so at those races, you get a real family festival atmosphere. There's a, they, they take place in a big field with parking nearby. You've got a bouncy castle, ice cream van, um, food stalls, stuff for the kids to do. Little kids races around, around the field, which is really cute. And then you've got um, a ballata drumming band. You know, there's like... Bands, which really is a fantastic way to start the race. A lot of races do it now, but they were the first people to really bring that out in the UK. Um, and you start off and you're all G'd up and then you all go and it's brilliant. And and some people, yeah, will take it really seriously and they'll properly like jet off in front and they'll win the race, whatever, get a re- course record, whatever. But so many other people are just jogging along, chatting to their friends, taking selfies. There's a really good family festival, um, friendly, supportive atmosphere at those races. And then because it ends in the field, you often do like a lap of half the field to come back um, to finish. So you've got people people just hanging around eating some food like families everyone's family will cheer you on um and there's groups of people whoever's finished already they'll be like mooching around with their free meal having a, with their medal and they'll be cheering everyone on so you do this lap of the field and you really feel like royalty finishing because it's just such a great way to to finish a race you feel really buoyed up by it um it's like a mini utmb in in a way um so i really recommend those events yeah. if you've never done a trail running event before and they're different to road races trail races because road races you get a lot of very serious people looking at their watch pace um doing it for a time whereas trail races people are doing it for an experience for just being out in the mountainside in a safe way so you the course is fully waymarked usually so you don't have to navigate you've got marshals you've got aid stations and it's just a really nice way to experience a different place you can do trail races like this it says races in the peak district in wales in cornwall in the lake district in scotland and if you go to uh, like a, a beginner to intermediate level one they will all be waymarked usually you can check on the website but they're all waymarked so it's a great way to explore the countryside without having too many mountain skills obviously you've got to take the mandatory kit with you yeah. um but it's a good way to be handheld through the mountains and, and just get your experience up so really recommend races not for races sake but just for exploring the world well and there are some really wonderful weird and wacky ones and it, a lot of them tend yeah. to be in, in wales as well um, <laughs> some of my colleagues yeah. have done um man versus horse yeah ricky lightfoot just broke the record uh, just beat the horse on that didn't he first yeah. time for many years yeah and that's the scary thing is what's fabulous about that race is that that there's a prize if you win and it goes up every year so next year if someone beats the horse the prize for isn't as big because oh yeah no you already well, won it. it next year yeah um, but this was a crazy event of who come up with the idea? It must have been founded in the pub, I reckon. It must have been. Oh, must have been. Yeah, um, all those crazy races. Like the wife... Oh, actually, the wife carrying has got a very sinister history. So the wife carrying originated in Sweden or Finland or one yeah. of those Scandinavian places. And it was because in the olden days, rival tribes would go and raid the tribe's women and carry them off to be their wives. Okay. Like, that's like traumatic but now it's like this fun event where you can carry any old woman or anyone can be your wife actually anyone light can be your wife and you just carry them and there's yeah the wife carrying events so that's a bit and i think in that race idea a bit more sinister isn't that race the winner of that wins their their wife in yeah Yeah. and then there's the cheese rolling as well that's definitely like a villagey type affair isn't it where they all like chase a cheese down down the hill and there's that girl that's won it like four times because she literally just hurls herself down people have broken arms legs heads people are in casualty after that every year (laughs) i have seen a few patients who have broken legs and ankles because of the cheese rolling really because of the cheese rolling wow it's That's brutal. commitment, isn't it? <laughs> it is. For that one, it's a case of you've just got to commit to it. And just it's almost you're in the lap of the gods. You finger, fingers crossed and just hope for the best, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> then also then you've, obviously you published, was it your first book? 
Yes, it's my first book. I've written many things for many magazines, but yeah, my first book. And it was actually really easy to write because I've been writing the same thing for like seven years in magazines. And it was so such a relief to sort of get it all into one place so that it was just there forever in this one place. So I really enjoyed writing it. (laughs) No, and I would put, I got my copy next to me, but if I put it up, the um, background, it doesn't, the blue yeah, you'll have to hold it right in front of you like that. Yeah, <laughs> like that, that yeah. 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 If I can... Yeah, oh, like that, yeah. yeah. If you there hold you it in your body, then it'll get it. Go. There you go. Yeah. And it is. What I liked about that, the book was how easy footwear like actually I tell patients all day every day the best footwear to shoes you find just most comfortable um and what your best friend wears doesn't mean it's going to be the same shoe that you like so it's a case of just you've got to kiss a few frogs as it were before you find the prince with some of the shoes <laughs> definitely I'm still kissing frog. frogs I don't know if you can see behind me but I've got like 25 shoes I, 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 I still I, haven't I, found the perfect pair and I'm a shoe tester I just I, it. yeah I I've got to the point where I have to order shoes to work and then I bring them home. My wife's like another pair of shoes, Nick. And then there's also the element of um, I do testing for different footwear companies. So often I will get sent shoes to try and Mm -hmm. then feedback on my opinion on them from a sort of a podiatric viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And then so now I have to say, I I did try saying once that this company sent me a pair of shoes. I said, yeah, they sent me a pair of shoes. And then a week later, I did say they also sent me an invoice that I had to pay for those shoes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was. Um, That's me. If you're uh, getting no, no, back. it is because I those shoes I'd actually paid for, and I tried to get away with my wife saying I didn't. Oh, pay for you them. tried to say it to your wife. I yeah. get you. <laughs> yeah. So I am. Um, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, I, I got a bit of a footwear issue as well. <laughs> I think we all have as runners, but we we should buy less shoes because of the environmental impact of a shoe. I just read Damien Hall's book about <clears throat> being more eco-friendly and shoes are very bad. Um, but this is my service to people. If I try them all on, then hopefully it gives everybody else better better opinion on it to make the first choice correctly. Yes. Um, I still haven't found a pair that perfectly fits me. So I really like a wide fit shoe. So I really love Altra and Topo. Yeah. Um, but they they also because they're more of a natural kind of thing going on they all like this whole zero drop business uh-huh. and, um, I can't run loads and loads of miles in zero drop um, so I just really wish that they would make a shoe where maybe I could put an uh, insole in like a heel bit yeah, yeah. Um, yeah maybe I could make them like more like six mil um, in that way oh, I'll have to try that actually I'll speak to you about that yeah. Um, but um, yeah I, I haven't found the perfect pair yet um, and so, also, well, I work most... with a company called Hilo. Yeah. Now, they, they don't make trail shoes, they make running shoes, but their yeah. shoes are, they actually put more carbon back into the planet. They offset more than they actually oh, take out. Oh, well, that's cool. And What's their name, sorry? Hilo, H-Y-L-O. Okay. Um, and they're name. very open about, they, they literally, for their carbon footprint, they won't just tell you for the shoe, they'll tell you for the whole shoe's journey from literally. Yeah, the from, chain. The chain from manufacturer to your front door yeah and they make their shoes 100 percent out of natural materials so different plants natural rubber cork Ooh. everything on those lines and then when you finish with the shoe they got a service where you fo- post a shoe back to them and they recycle it so the shoe never ends up in landfill always wow. turned into another shoe wow. or something else and it's um yeah. It's a, it's a really, really good brand. And they're a very, they, yeah. they haven't been going long. They're a very small company, but they're really making decent headway in the, um, the environment side of things because, Ooh. um, the issue of running shoes is that there is a very, very environmentally costly. There's a lot of carbon involved in, in the yeah. traditional ways. Sometimes there'd be over 30 different processes in making a trainer. Yeah. Um, 3d printing is improving that and the old way of the lasts the lasts and the shoes always used to end up in landfill so we're changing that over time but it is sometimes this logistical nightmare of actually okay got these shoes how do we actually dismantle these shoes turn them into different things and companies are now really starting to try and 
um, solve that problem and high low to my knowledge yeah. are the first company really to just tackle it head on head on yeah oh that's brilliant oh thanks for telling me about those I'll have to get a pair in because I'm writing a they've also got a pair they're not too expensive as well which is brilliant no. um the average shoe price now is 140 pounds can you yeah. believe that um and with um, the shoes I've just been testing today um 185 pounds who's got the kind of money to spend on a shoe um but these I just saw a pair there for 100 pounds so I yeah. have to get that in my budget shoe test no and they have um so yeah, they have made great improvements with their shoes. It's been fantastic to be involved and watch their journey as they as they as they go through. So um yeah, it's a I, I call them they're my naked running shoe. It's a shoe yeah. I use if I run and I don't wear any tech, anything. I'm not worried about speed, time or anything. It's li- and I wear them to work. So it's literally if I come home, literally swap my work shorts for running shorts, and literally within two minutes I'm out running. Yeah again or if it's that if you need a quick quick run 20 minutes for lunch you want to go out for a run during lunchtime and you can just get out and just go yeah and 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 that's the beauty so then what would be if someone's thinking about oh actually listening to this and I'm really excited about the prospects of trail running and start doing some more what would be your sort of three biggest tips for runners who are still people not runners anyone in general who's actually i want to start doing more of this how do i go about it um what doing more running or are they runners already that want to do trail anyone so we're seeing a lot of people who during lockdown during the the pandemic Mm -hmm. they really realized that actually some of their other sports they couldn't do because um, they couldn't go to the golf club tennis club or anything on those lines and they started doing more more running and then they also found the benefits. We know that actually, if you talk about running and, and not just running, exercise in general, it is the best way to manage depression. It's better than any pill that you can yeah. have out there. And you've got the mental health benefits yeah. of it. So we're finding many people that are, and it's almost like your story where you say, I never thought I'd be a runner. They start doing it and <laughs> and they just get hurt. And actually, do you know what? I'm really enjoying it. It's It's my personal time. It's all about me having a break so we're finding more and more people are starting getting a little bit curious about saying well maybe do I venture to off-road or I haven't done anything before mm. actually what do I need to do to sort of get me going in the right direction yeah um well uh the first thing I would do is to treat it as an adventure like a bit of exploration so um I know it's a podcast uh, but anyone who's watching on the video will see there's a, a map of my local area behind me on my wall um it's a map wallpaper that I've got so my where I live is in the middle um and I can have a look at the map and I can um see if there's any sort of hills or anything interesting that I want to explore nearby um so the way that you would do that is you'd buy an OS map of your local area um and you would look on the 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 legend the key um to see what what dotted lines paths look like so if you've got um a one to twenty five thousand map you'd have the green dotted and dashed lines for paths and if you're looking at one to fifty thousand like if you're in scotland or somewhere then you'd be looking at the pink dotted line but usually you'd probably be getting the one to twenty five thousand os map of your local area and it's got loads of green dotted lines on um and so you look for those and uh, they are footpaths, basically. Um, we're really blessed in the UK that we've got about near, almost 30,000 miles of um, footpaths that we can legally walk on in the UK, in the in England and Wales. Um, so that would be the first place I would start. I would plot a little route to like the next village, but on footpaths rather than the road. Or um, or if you're out running and you and you always see dog walkers like heading into a field um, and there's a sign above it saying footpath, just just go and explore in there. Um, the, the top tip I would give for exploring is to turn around every sort of five or ten minutes and take a photo of what's yeah. what's that way, because then if you turn around, you'll know what to look for on the way back. Um, you don't have don't think you always have to do a circular route if you're going out doing this exploratory type of run um, it's just as good to run out and back because then you stand much less chance of getting lost when you're just starting to kind of build up your map reading skills 
So I would definitely um, get a map of local area. Look for like bodies of water. There's a big body of water behind me. It's called Rutland Water. You can actually run all the way around that on really easy to navigate paths. Running around water bodies is absolutely fantastic because you just need to like keep the water to your left or right. And that's really easy to navigate. Um, there's also like patches of green as well. That's forestry. Um, if you see lots of tracks um, and footpaths through a forest, that usually means that there's um, you know, lots going on there. There might even be a cafe. It might be managed by the Forestry Commission. There might be um, preset like paths with like different colours on that you can run different distances on already waymarked for you. So definitely check one of those out that's local to you as well. National Trust properties and Forestry Commission um, prop, um, land usually um, caters for runners and walkers and cyclists really well. So just do a little bit of exploring in your local area. And then also just like run from home, like you can just run into your local park um, and run like there might be a little wooded section in the park that you've just never been on before because but because the path doesn't go through there. But there might be like a little snaky path that runs through it. Just explore everything. And you might come across really exciting things like there might be a big statue in the middle of nowhere or a monument or something. Um, and you'll find yourself um, picking up like maybe two or three, maybe even 10 local routes that you really know and love and then one day you'll be like oh I haven't run that one for a long time and you'll feel motivated to go and see what's there you'll be going motivated to see it in different seasons or maybe see it on a night run and something like that so definitely use trail running as an excuse to go exploring that is for a first tip um and then I have a tip about getting motivated. Um, a lot of people, like especially I'm surrounded by like new mums at the moment because I've got a one and a half year old. So we've got lots of, I have a, a few friends in a WhatsApp group and they're like, oh my God, how do you motivate yourself to go running? Um, and my top tip here would be, um, if you just don't really feel like running, if you're not particularly calling yourself a runner, put stuff that you can run in on. So for women, that means a good sports bra. And then for everyone else, just like trainers and comfy clothing that's not too hot. Um, and just go for a walk. Um, just tell yourself, I'll just go for a walk. So you go for a walk and, you know, your mind wakes up. But after about five minutes, you're looking around and you're like, Hmm, maybe I could do a little jog. So you start doing a little jog and then you might walk again and then you might jog again and then you might jog for the rest of it or you might walk for the rest of it. But if you just get out there and do something, then it might lead to a run. So that's what I do if I'm feeling really tired. <laughs> if in like 15 minutes, I still feel really tired. Sometimes I'll just go home. But if you don't do it, you won't do it. So just get out there for that walk. And then tip number three. Um, so we've done exploring. We've done staying motivated tip number three I think would be to have an aim um because like races are brilliant for that but it doesn't always have to be a race it could be like see Rutland Water behind me that's 15 miles all the way around you could say right in three months time I want to be fit enough to run around Rutland Water so you can um, gradually up your distance if that's what you want to do or maybe you want to do a park run in a certain time so you're like oh I want to do a park run in 30 minutes so you gradually you go to park run religiously every week for three months and you do a little bit of interval training um, to get yourself get your legs ticking over faster um, and yeah just to have an aim because it's it's fine to just float along if you're motivated like that but a lot of people are motivated by having an end goal um doesn't necessarily need to be self-improvement either like if you can already run 15 miles around the water maybe you want to run 15 miles around some other water maybe you've got like a location goal in mind a destination goal in mind maybe you want to tie in um, a race with a holiday um something like that just to give you something to look forward to and a reason to get out of the door that would be my third tip they are amazing tips. And I, I really like the, um, it's, it's funny how you talk about just putting clothes on, go for a walk, and you may end up doing a bit of running. Yeah, put the right clothes on, get in get in yeah. the costume. <laughs> it's like an actor on a stage, you know, yeah. like get in the costume. And then if you want to run, you've facilitated going for a run. Well, it's funny you say that because we have our own, it's basically our version of the couch to 5K. It's just mm. because and we found some patients that, Around week 12, I think, is the couch to 5K. It ramps up a bit, and we get a few patients who get a few niggles at that okay. stage. So we've basically created what we call a zero to 40, which is no running to 40 yeah. minutes of running in 16 weeks. Okay. And to help people with that, 
in the early days, it is a lot of walk, running, walk, running, just because we know by doing that, you're going to reduce your risk of overdoing it and then hopefully reduce the risk of getting injuries as well. And then also has some common strengthening exercises to then you do alongside that as well. And it is just that walk running is a really great way, I feel, to get in, start doing stuff because like, it doesn't really matter. It's like we say to patients all the time, it's there is no hard and fast rule when you're coming back from an injury. You will be back running at this X day after injury. It doesn't work like that. We're human beings. We all have loads of other factors that contribute to injuries. So some of it is just, well, let's just go and test the water. Let's just give it a go and just see what happens. And then the more you then do it, then the more confident you feel and you don't keep pushing yourself forward. So I really, really like that tip. And then I also really like um, that last tip as well. Also, I think that's a really, really good thing. So they're, they're actually three really good tips. And and the, the, <laughs> OS, the, the, OS, the OS map and taking the photos, I've never really... Never really thought of actually just turning around and taking a photo. So then that you could then use that to help navigate your way back if you're nervous around yeah. um, getting yeah. lost. Yeah. Oh, the other thing about navigating is like if you see like a big thing, you know, like a spire or one of those uh, mobile phone masts, um, like we've got one in our local quarry. And when I was exploring all around that, like that area, like over there, um, I would often go, oh goodness me I've, I've gone through so many fields now I don't know where I am and I'd see that mass and I'd be like oh I live near there hmm. yeah so yeah look for the high things I, I tried at an airport park and um, when you go when you park your car in the airports oh, <laughs> you, oh you, you take oh. a and you still yeah. get lost you do like <laughs> I'm in green C section two and you're like yeah where is that <laughs> I took a photo of this. car parks with the key like going beep, beep yeah that, that's what you do I mean go right over there the mile like over that. there yeah. before someone nicks it <laughs> um and again as i say that 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 last tip about the goals um when someone comes to see us we ask them what does your goal want to be and your goal doesn't have to be to reach the UTMB. <laughs> um the goal could be just going for a walk with the family on a sunday it doesn't <laughs> matter what that goal is but i think having a goal gives you something to map towards so you can then build a structured approach of how am i going to achieve um this goal and then there's also then lots of tips on your youtube channel as well yes yes it's supposed to be helpful (laughs) um there's lots of advice there from elite athletes from really top coaches uh from uh, nutritionists sports dietitians everything really is covered on that and I think the best way to navigate getting information out of my YouTube channel while ginger running is to actually if you've got a query um type that query into google's so like say best nutrition for running and then after that just put wild ginger running and whatever I've got on the topic should come up either in my website or via a film um especially if you click on the videos tab of google as well so i think that that is the best search engine you could also use the youtube search engine as well that's the second most used search engine after google actually um but usually googling the the you know if you want to know i do a lot of gear reviews if you want to know about hiking poles or running shoes then you can just google that and plus wild ginger running it should bring up whatever there's tons of tips on that. And also, if you want to write me a comment on the you on my YouTube channel, if you under the films, you can write comments um, and I answer every single person. So if you have got a question about trail running or running in general or motivation or nutrition, then just write me a comment and I will reply to you with the the, the video. If I've got a video on it. Now, that that's amazing. And I think because um, isn't um, don't Google own YouTube also. I, yeah 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 that's, that's why that's, they're the biggest that's why the tagging works yeah. <laughs> so now I, I try and keep these episodes 30 minutes and i think we're currently around 43 are we i didn't um, notice what the time was. <laughs> i could happily speak for another hour quite com- <laughs> and it's just what i showed i looked down the clock and i thought on overrun oh, no. have um, you got more questions i can do speed answering um i I have, yeah. Let's do sort of five top questions, fee questions. Is fee questions a favorite event? Favorite event? Oh, uh, Manx Mountain Marathon. I'm doing it this year, a decade on. Um, yeah. It's 50k, and it's in the Isle of Man. Okay. Favorite shoe? 
at the moment it's the ultra temp four but if only it wasn't zero drop might put an insult in and favorite sort of fuel source I'm currently loving Morton. It's what Killian Jornet uses. Actually, Elliot Kipchoge uses it as well. Um, uh, yeah, it's yeah. I really hate gels, but these gels are like jelly and they're not too sweet, so I love them. Yeah, and one more a question. Let's go for something completely random. <laughs> Let's go. Favorite podcast? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I was going to go more simple. Than that. I was going to go. You're a pizza or burger person. Oh, uh, I am uh, probably pizza uh, yeah. or veggie burger. Yeah. Um, I've become a little bit more veggie, vegany, veggie, planty. I, I do eat meat still, um, yeah. but yeah, I've become a bit more because of the sustainability issues and the chopping of the rainforest down for beef, etc. I've yeah. become a bit more veggified. So yeah, uh, yeah, oh, a nice veggie burger or halloumi burger um, or nice pizza yeah i like both really it depends what day it is, <laughs> depends what day of the week it is. it's um yeah we, we've it's during we for a family birthdays people come around to us and we got a pizza for oven and a barbie and it's normally <gasps> both wow. are on at the same time um wow. because heaven <laughs> yeah it's um completely random nothing talking if if you ever get the chance to get a pizza for oven it's the best sort of garden cooking sauce like cook a peach for in 30 seconds in a, in wow. a minute sorry in it and yeah it's uh great stuff for the family like i've got two i've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old so they help wow. out making the doughs and everything on those lines and it's a great little it gets messy and whatnot but it's just great fun with the kids to do stuff with with the family and um oh that sounds lovely yeah my husband did talk about getting one and i was like oh that sounds difficult why can't we just put it in the oven but yeah my oh, friend once you've had a pizza water. from a proper pizza oven i know what you mean yeah it, 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 you'll never have oven pizza again because you're like the yeah. taste is just so much so much better it really i is. think it's because normal ovens just can't get hot enough yeah Whereas, yeah um, yeah. So really one other thing quickly mm. is obviously your you've got a young little one. Yeah, one ish. <laughs> how and obviously I used to during lockdown, my youngest was one and my eldest was just three, I think, or just under one, just just under one and just coming up to three. So I actually used to help keep out and going doing stuff. A lot of our local woods put on like little gruffalo trails and whatnot. And I used to take the kids out on buggies and we've actually got three different buggies depending on whether they're single buggies double buggies an off-road running buggy and then the normal buggy have you ever done any sort of buggy running or anything along those lines oh yeah every week at parkrun yeah i take finley to parkrun every week and we run with the buggy uh we use the mountain buggy terrain um yep. i really like it because the one i got wheel yeah um i really like swivelly wheel and um, somebody told me that you're supposed to lock it when you go running um otherwise it can tip over but i'm like i don't run that fast <laughs> i still have it on swivel even if i'm running because i just can't be bothered with pushing down to move it from side to side to lift the wheel up at the front um but yeah i like that buggy um in all honesty i hate running with a running buggy i find it really annoying uh i only run with a running buggy if i don't have any childcare option other childcare options so um, it puts about three to five minutes on my park run best time. Yeah. Uh, so I have a buggy PB and a post birth PB and then a PB for when I was young and fit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I think running buggies are brilliant. Um, but if I had the choice, I would definitely not run with a buggy because it's just a massive bath. <laughs> like it is fat and it is hard work. Oh, can't use your arms. Um, yeah. and for me it's I work not running so it, that's, exactly. that's it's good for that reason yeah I think I remember that ours I think I weighed including buggy and children everything it was an extra like 40 kilograms oh, I don't know how these people they're overtaking me at park run with <laughs> two children in there they are men but that's really 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 oh. amazing there's a lot of very fit people at our park run and I have done a running buggy test if anybody's interested if you type in running buggies while ginger running you'll see that me and my friend Julia who had a baby at quite a similar time to me we did a test of six of them um so you really get to see the ins and outs of each different type of buggy and two of them are ones that you can also they're also bike trailers so you can hook them to the back of your bike and I use that quite a lot as well actually actually for getting the shopping 
so yeah I I get the the food shop in that to try and be more eco-friendly rather than using the car Um, and when it comes to winter Finley will go in that to go to nursery because it'll be a bit warmer for him to go in the sheltered little trailer rather than in the bike seat on the back of the bike Um, so yeah lots of options there yeah well one of the companies (laughs) one of the companies we work with run 3d they um, the founder Jessica Leach she was the world record holder for a marathon in buggy yeah I saw her interviewed and all I could think of was like it's three hours 20 or something like that isn't it her record I was like how on earth do you get your kids to stay in the buggy without yowling for three hours like does she just do that on the marathon day and just um, or does she practice taking them in the buggy for three hours because I just think that's not fair on the kids surely like all respect to her for pushing the buggy for that far but I don't know if I'd want to do that thinly no, they're used to it. The the kids are. They, they've they've always. She's a massive runner. Her and her husband are massive runners, yeah. and they've always went out running as a family. And they didn't want to stop running when children come. So now she doesn't do it because the kids are older. That they they're not in in the buggies um, now. But yeah, it was. Um, I did say to her, I sort of said, I have issues sometimes when mine were a little younger, keeping them in a buggy for an hour occupied. Yeah. How do you manage? three hours and she said we um just planned the marathon times around nap time so they would have yeah. their naps yeah two hour naps and then two hour hour naps each side. yeah in the buggy and have the half hour each side and it used to be just planned yeah um around that and then unfortunately she um lost the record because her husband beat her <laughs> oh what a... oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> how annoying was that planned did he, did he uh, it wasn't it wasn't planned no oh. it just it just yeah just happened and it was um but again three hours 20 there are many people happily yeah with that time without a buggy yeah what's her time without a buggy then it must be sub three surely and I think she's pushing around that I've I've known her for a number of years now we will go out running when we're at events and yeah it's always like when Jess says to me next we go for a run I'm like hang on, are we going for a Jess run or are we going for a Nick run? What type of run are we going on here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, um, I, I need to it. know. You need to yeah. warn me. Gosh, it's amazing. I suppose if you've done it from such a young age and planned it around their naps, um, mm. I wonder how they plan around the, mar- the London Marathon because that's a set time, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a tricky one. But if they've done it for that long. But I have, like, Finley, when he's not got a cold and doesn't fall asleep at park run, he... He's he's like writhing around after twenty minutes, going mom, and that makes me speed up actually. <laughs> so yeah, he's just writhing around after twenty minutes. He's like, ah, ah, wants to get out. Oh, oh, mom, I need a wee. Type thing. Oh, yeah, that... well, he's still in nappies because he's only like nineteen months yeah. old, so I don't have to worry about that yet. <laughs> yeah, just wait till you have that happen, and then they're not in nappies, and then you have to keep stopping, and then yeah, yeah, but. I just want to say a massive thank you for coming on and, and chatting with us. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think that's been yeah, shown by, been by the time. Thanks. They were great questions. Really enjoyed it. And I hope that it helps some of the people that listen to your podcast, like some of your podiatry people. No, thank you very much. So thank you for tuning in and listening to uh, this month's podcast. We will put all the details um, for Claire's sort of um, YouTube details and, and the book in in all of the comments um so if you do have any questions for myself or claire please do get in touch and we shall see you on the next episode see you later bye thank you bye right, let's stop recording <laughs>